Hey everybody, welcome to The Cinema Nerd Presents, the filmography of Charlie Kaufman. My name is Kyle Woods, I'm here with my buddy James. We're going to talk about Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind. James, what is the Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind? Uh, I find it uh, amazing, by the way. Like, I know I'm, I'm kind of in my zone with this Charlie Kaufman kind of thing, but uh, this one, it, it's such a, a good breakdown of how memory works and how, it, like, the whole, the majority of the film is dreamlike, but in the most accurate way that I've ever seen. Like, you know, when you see a movie and they put dreams in it, you're always like, oh yeah, I get it, it's a dream. But this one, I'm like, oh, this is a dream. Like, this is exactly what my dreams feel like. Like, Yeah, um, in that way when you're trying to describe a dream where you're like, yeah, it, it was like this house that I was at a party one time, but uh, my high school friends were there, but they were never at that house that I partied yeah. at. <laughs> and, yeah. then, and then you went out the back door and you were now somewhere, you know, like you were yeah. in a field that I grew up on. You know, like all of those cuts were, were, seamlessly done it was fairly it was really nice like um yeah i'll just say it now since we're on the topic i the note that i have around that is gondry's transition make clooney look sweaty because it's the same kind of stuff from confessions of a dangerous mind where we're layering through storytelling with these really snappy transitions but the like you said the dream state here the lucidity of this and the way that it yeah. So much of it is done with light and not nearly as much with the staging. It is yeah, really yeah. Oh, so let's, because I can talk. Right I'm, I'm, I'm in on this one, but yeah. Have you watched anything in the, yeah, recently? Yeah, I got a couple I'll talk about. Um, one, just last night, we watched 2008's Get Smart. Oh, Steve Carell? Yeah, yeah. And The Rock is also in there, and Alan Arkin, and Terrence Stamp, and it's got an incredible cast. So I loved the original TV show, you know, like, did you ever see that? No, but consequently, I went out and secured a copy of the entire run of the TV show, because I'm yeah. into this thing, man. Yeah, it's, it was really good, really wacky, but also dry, so it's quite, quite, like, ridiculous, but everyone's kind of mostly straight-facing it, so it's quite... I mean, that's this thing is like with the driest humor, they are doing the most absurd bits. Yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah, like what? Shoe phone. I think the term shoe phone, like, I don't know if you ever heard that talk oh, yeah. about for cell phone, that comes from Get Smart. And yeah, was, of course. And it was, um, he, he always had his phone in his shoe, but then a lot of the, the gags were always him holding his shoe to his face. And it's all dirty, you know, like, it's just ridiculous to have your shoe, you know, but it's, yeah. Amazing. Yeah, beautiful. I won't just, like, break down bits here, but it's the similarly. They're just yeah. on its face, like, kind of gross and really absurd, and I died for it. I think there's, you know, it's a little, whatever. I, I'm not going to criticize it too much. It's not a great movie for a few different reasons, but I really, really enjoyed the hell out of it. Oh, Yeah. And the, uh, the last thing I will mention, I, I'll, I guess I'll talk about all of them, because I've been working my way through uh, horror franchises, right? Yeah, of course, yeah, yeah. So I'm on to, I finished Paranormal Activity recently, oh, all six yeah. of them. I think I've only seen one of them. I'm, I'm, I'm not good at following these, uh, it turns out. 
like <laughs> i think nightmare on elm street might be the only one i've seen like a lot of and i've seen all of those this month as well oh okay yeah um i i really like the paranormal activity movies i really enjoy them the i think the first one is maybe a little soft but it's it's got such a great concept and they take it and run with it and then pretty much through to the end the the last one ghost dimension i don't really care for but up until that point i'm on board because the it again like we're going to talk about with eternal sunshine it's inventive filmmaking and economic filmmaking in a way that sort of touches my little film student heart where it's like what you could make this movie for like 10 grand and it's yeah the blair witch Witch effect yeah but the 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 actual effects that's the thing that sets paranormal activity apart is that the jump scares are very creative in the way that they're staged you know they really do something special with a lot of props and set pieces i think they're super inventive and i i enjoy the heck out of basically which one which one would you recommend because basically i've seen the first one and i was like i enjoyed it but i wasn't like you know, it didn't, it didn't speak to me crazy lots. I, I, I just kind of was like, that's really fun and neat. And then I kind of didn't follow any of the other ones. So would you recommend one over the rest? I would say two and three are the strong points in the series. They're kind of the most expressive visually. There's like a, I think it's the, yeah, the third one where, oh, no, sorry. They blend together after a point, but there's a, 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 a ghost in a sheet that is buddy you haven't seen a ghost in the sheet like this you probably have but it's really effectively done um so the two and three are really really excellent i think the series stays strong strong through four which i like a lot but four will kind of draw you out of it because um is it uh, catherine newton is in it and uh, another uh, actually who's the female lead from the magicians uh also in it so you're starting to get to actors that you recognize at this point. Oh, and yeah. The series is full of really great performances, but they're cast really well. So you're not like, oh, breaking the illusion of the found footage thing until you get to four where you're like, well, she's super famous now. I, you know, she didn't yeah. die in this uh, suburban yeah. house. But they're really, really good. I even like the fifth one a lot. The marked ones is a little slower, but it takes place like in almost entirely in East LA. So my my LA heart is just like, oh look, that's the that's the taco shop. That's oh man, I got my tire patched at that mechanic right there. Yeah. So I I like them a lot, and I'll defend them. The last one you can totally skip, but start at two, and if you have fun with two, just keep going, man. Cool, cool. I, I might give it a go. That sounds good. Yeah, just just bail out before the last one. It's not. So I I've watched a couple, but I went I went uh, highbrow and lowbrow. I went yeah. took the high road and the low road. Um, so the first one I watched was called Corpus Christi, and it's a yeah. Polish film. Have you seen it? No, but uh, being a Polish film, it's on the list with a few others that we need to oh, yeah. catch up with yeah. out of responsibility so to the family. It's pretty well done. Uh, I I kind of. I read it like, you know, opening film, like you kind of see the setup and then you see where it's going and you're like, okay, I think I know where all of this goes. And I, 
I didn't necessarily actually like uh, the the kind of it's not like twists and you know like it just is different <laughs> and so I kind of enjoyed that I kind of got to the end and was like whoa that is a very different like full stop at the end of that film like right, well, <laughs> yeah. to the top of my list man I'm gonna have to give that a watch um, but it's yeah like it, it it's cool because it's it's quite gritty and real like it it's a it's a troubled youth had a pretty shit experience but kind of found god in juvie um yeah, but he's kind of trying to make good but then also he's kind of also a little bit rough as well but yeah. um he kind Maybe of in his own way kind of guy yeah so he's trying to be good but also in a scammy way <laughs> anyway yeah He's like, I will scam the banker, but I am done grifting old ladies. <laughs> yeah, well, it's, 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 yeah, it's a, anyway, I thoroughly enjoyed it. Uh, uh, yeah, interesting, interesting kind of story for me. It was yeah. good. And then the yeah. low, lowbrow was 2020 movie, uh, Love and Monsters. Oh, I don't know if i've heard about this do tell yeah so basically uh post-apocalyptic the the world fired rockets chemical rockets at an asteroid to basically a giant asteroid was coming for earth they they fired chemical rockets at it and the chemicals and fuel all about the plan to begin with but yeah yeah and then the the chemicals watered down to earth and into the atmosphere and then caused monsteritis on every, <laughs> like, uh, like on all the animals and insects and well why like don't bugs. they just don't look yeah so uh the the people have all gone into like i mean mo like 90 percent of the population is dead people go into shelters and then the whole story kind of goes around like a a guy who's who's kind of a loner but he's in a group he's got like a he's got like a He's, he's in one of those shelters, but he fell in love with a girl once before the lockdown and just before the lockdown and then they okay. got split up. Okay. And then he finds out that she's only 80 miles away. Eight, I'm like, sorry, one eight eight zero. Eight zero. That's a bit of a trek in the yeah, post-apocalypse. Yeah. But there's like very few people in the entire world. So he's like 80 miles away. <laughs> No one travels further than like half a day, and he's like, "I'm gonna do it," but he's pretty useless. Like he's never gone outside before; he can't really shoot. Um, James, about he's his... got the power of love. Yeah, but I I enjoyed it to be honest. Like it's it's rubbish, but also um, he meets a dog. He gets a dog. Okay, pretty early. That's pretty good. Sold. Yeah, and then um, yeah, and then. It's kind of cool because it sets it up how I kind of read it, which was, okay, he's traveling to meet this girl that he he liked, but it's probably been six years. She's probably, you know, like moved on a bit. And they address that, which is cool. So it's interesting. Yeah, All right. Not not 100%, but, you know, the, the, yeah, give, I wouldn't say don't watch it. I, hey, I enjoy it. It sounds like you're nominating it for all of the Oscars. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Should we talk Eternal Sunshine? Oh, of course. Oh my God. Yeah. Uh, so just straight off the bat, I've been really thoroughly enjoying Charlie Kaufman's writing and uh, these films have been a lot of uh, fun for me. 
but this one especially so like uh where the other ones made me think about human things and it made me think about uh you know like facets of humanity this one made me feel like a lot more like i like you know that kind of reminiscing that kind of nostalgia feeling and then the like the kind of the feeling of losing something and then like your childhood it's it's cool man and the the directing was beautiful i love that like they introduced so many facets of the story within the the premise of the memories not like you're not seeing it as a setup and then he starts losing his memories right from very early in the film you're in his lost memories and they're kind of fading and words are disappearing and backgrounds are going out there's vignettes coming in whenever he gets kind of sad it gets darker and more vignetted and you know like it it gives it a real cool visual language and you still get the story across you know but it's just him remembering the bits not you you're not seeing it as a witness you're seeing it through his memories it's cool yeah absolutely it's very much a, a subjective commentary on subjective experience right yeah and that uh, wistfulness that you mention is very much what the movie's about in so much that the, the midpoint of the movie is him really realizing like, oh, no, no, I need the painful memory. I, just give me this one. Don't, I, okay, I, I was wrong. I, okay, sorry. Yeah. We can unpack more of that. I, I, oh, I just, sorry? Oh, just, just, just to put on it, like my favorite, like the the framing of this film is one of my favorite bits is the fact that the opening meet cute is arg is is technically the the next time they meet like it's you know so movie it's the end of the story yeah exactly but you you kind of you're watching it going this is kind of a weird she's quite intense everyone's kind of like be acting funny and then at the end of the film, you're like, oh, of course, they're all acting funny and they're kind of weird because they've got half memories of everything. And they're like, <laughs> totally. she remembers him. So she's kind of, oh, I, I want to know this guy for some reason. And he's like, uh, you know, like going along with it, jumping on the train for some reason and calling in sick when he'd never do that. And, you know, like these, I love that. Like I thought. That I love that too, but I do want to, I'll level some criticisms at this and I'll start by okay. saying I had initially the opposite experience of you. I sort of felt like this was kind of, okay, I, it's a really well executed trick. So like supremely executed, but I don't like any of these people and I don't really want to be around them. And I'm not really interested in their reconciliation. They're toxic. They're bad for each other. Yeah. Why am I watching this? You know, like what's what's the the joy? What is the the thing that I want to take away from this that Jim Carrey and Kate Winslet so desperately need to take away from this? And it took me a long time to find that thing. I did find that thing, and we'll I'll get to that. Yeah. But in the beginning, I I have two really uh, I think there's maybe they're choices because where we do end up, I'm fully on board for this thing. I'll just say by the end, by literally yeah. the end of the movie, I'm actually crying and just thinking no, it's a yeah. perfect film. So but I just want to jump in. I had exactly that moment too. So basically the start meet cute didn't work for me because 
she's insane and kind of stalkery and he's very cold and like you know and i was that like doesn't bother me that's fine i actually oh, I, have more yeah. technical problems with it is the i think the voiceover that gets him on the train is yeah. a bailout i like that scene a lot better if we just rely on the visuals if we just yeah. let jim carrey be nervous on a train uh platform and then yeah. run across and end up on a snowy beach that's yeah. weird enough for me to be like okay this guy's got something going on. What's happening yeah. here? And then yeah. if for a while they're cute, they're meet weird to be fucking weird, which this movie is, that's yeah. a little stronger. And then okay. because like it doesn't, let me finish this thought, which is that when yeah. we, because it doesn't re, uh, make that choice, because it bails out on the visuals already, when we get them together on the train and they're having a conversation, the oboe score underlying Kate Winslet's dialogue is really distracting and obnoxious. And I, it's, I, maybe it's because I need to be at length from her because she is a real chaotic energy. Yeah. But the movie makes that very, very clear. And her, like I said, those are two kind of auditory cues that I think make the movie soft to open with and kept me at arm's length. And then, make me wonder a lot why I'm watching this story being built this way. But it's a real triumph of writing because there's not one single good person in this story. Yeah. And by the end, I want them all to succeed. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So I, I was not on, like, yeah, so I, watching it, I was like, oh, like, I find it all intense and, uh, yeah, no, so I, the people, the characters of this film aren't super likable. They are quite complicated and a little bit intense. Uh, and as it goes on, they get more intense. But you you kind of get on board. You're like, oh, okay. Like, uh, so you see that he, was, he wasn't better without her. And she wasn't better without him. Like, you know, so uh, as, as you're watching on, for at least for me, like the the development of those characters from the kind of middle of the film, which is the start to the start of the film, which is the end. And like those, they're a lot more like, he's a lot more outgoing and doing of things like he, um, and she's. Well, kind of in his mental state, he has to, you know, that's his, it's, it's very much man versus self. Right. And yeah. in taking on his own psyche, he is able to become the person that she needs because yeah. he's no longer timid. He's faced his ultimate humiliations and he's let her all the way into his psyche, his soul, you know? I don't, there, there's this thing that goes around on the internet that's like maybe from a New York Times editorial, but the, the line is something like, to, to truly be loved is to subject yourself of the horrors of actually being known yeah and that's yeah. what this thing is he like has to take care her to all of the most embarrassing moments of his life and has to allow that to touch his heart her to be with there and those are the most beautiful ideas in this movie i mean how think of the most precious memory you have from your childhood and then thinking think of bringing your partner today to that place and just like mm -hmm. It doesn't get any better than that. And this movie allows us to travel there. Yeah, that's, that's beautiful. That is cool. Uh, I, I liked um, the, 
the side stories, if you call it, like the the Mark Ruffalo, the Kirsten Dunst, you know, like even David Cross and his partner, that that um, you know, angst angsty kind of relationship. But it, you know, like they're intense. But yeah, anyway, yeah. I well, I think I, all of that stuff. I want to talk about Kirsten Dunst, but I think all of that stuff at least what I saw here underlies how subject we are to our own patterns of behavior. And we could erase our memories and we would probably wake up tomorrow and do the same shit we did yesterday. Fall back in the same. Yeah, no, it's, um, but so let's talk Kirsten Dunst. Yeah. She's amazing. Yeah, she did. Yeah. Like, so I, Okay, I, I don't know if I've talked about this before, but I really didn't like Kirsten Dunst when she was the the Spider-Man girl. I like, think we I have did... talked about this. Where else would she have come? Oh, it would have been in... Um... No, shit. Has she come up in our filmography? I don't know, I, but I'm, I, I've got a memory of talking about this, but basically I didn't like her. And then basically I've seen her in a few things since, and then so many strong performances. And I'm like, I like Melancholia is one of my favorite um, Von Trier we films. talked about this yeah and yeah she's so strong in it and so so strong in so many things and this one was amazing because um yeah you well she gives you two performances and you alluded to it she starts this movie as like what she's quoting quotes what yeah. is the point of her existence and then yeah. you realize that it is she's a she's there to echo this idea of copying our own ideas but not actually integrating with them and just playing out the patterns and not necessarily understanding their implications and then when she does her performance you know turns to an entirely different she's so talented i can't even express it in words how good she is yeah she's really good it was it was cool and um yeah how do you feel about kate winslet was that how do you feel about kate winslet uh yeah no i did i did like i so at the start i was like uh yeah i was unsure at the start of the film but i like yeah it it's one of those people that i can i can say that i've probably met people like that you know so it's a very believable like crazy but believable character and then as it built on as you kind of got more facets to the character it just you know, it got more and more real and you got to see like the fragile bits and the reasons she's got, like she's a bit intense and uh, yeah, it's, it's, I, I enjoyed it. I, I did, but it did, it was slow to get me in. Yeah. yeah. Well, I think that's again, this whole thing, cause she sucks, you know, Clementine is the worst and yeah. Kate Winslet is so good that I'm like, her performance is, t- oh, no, 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 no. She's playing a terrible person. She's really good at playing a terrible person, but I am so, you know, at arms with it that, um, yeah, she's she, she real good at acting. And this is yeah. a great performance for her, yeah. Oh, and, and Joel, uh, sorry, Joel, you know, um, Joel Barris, Jim Carrey, uh, he, he, uh, I liked it. I liked his performance. Uh, he's... I was worried because I thought he was going to be a bit too animated for who this character was, you know, cause like you see him and you're like, you see him kicking his sheet, uh, blankets off at the opening scene mm-hmm. um, in his pajamas. And I was like, 
oh, what's this going to be? You know, like, is it going to be a wacky character? And then... Right, but compare that against the memory of him kicking the sheets off in Bruce Almighty. Yeah, yeah. And what you have is a really excellent physical actor. You know what I mean? Like, he's really controlling the level at which he's kicking sheets off a bed. Yeah, I I actually thoroughly enjoy Jim Carrey. I'm just saying for this film, it was not going to fit for me. But he, he did such a good job of kind of, you know, encapsulating that character and being like cold off, like, you know, because he doesn't know what to do. And his, his default is, I don't know what to do, so I'll pull away. Like, I'm not sure about this. Well, he also um, lashes out a lot. You know what I mean? He attacks. He's pretty douchey dude. Yeah, pretty, pretty harsh, actually, yeah. Yeah, yeah, he's, he's shitty. There's no good guys. You know, there's not, you know, you're holding that hope for Howard. I think maybe Mark Ruffalo is maybe the most human yeah. character. Yeah, and if he sincerely didn't know about Mary's character's thing that happens, um, then he is arguably... But uh, here's the thing, is he, he like when fucking Elijah Wood is talking to him about stealing panties, Mark Ruffalo is, I don't want to know. Don't tell me that. So then when he does get confronted, well, one time I might've thought and this, that, and the other, and I just put it away. You know, I don't know if that makes him a bad person, but he is complicit in some stuff that, you know, if I saw one of my coworkers stealing some panties, we would have a problem. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I think there's a moral, like an ethical gray around this whole thing. <laughs> like, even the, like, the way that they treat his unconscious body, like, he's not right. a good person. Like, you know, like, Mark Ruffalo is the closest to a good person, but he is kind of making love to somebody on top of a sleeping person. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's somebody that he knows he doesn't have a chance with. Like, he knows, even if he doesn't know that she's had the procedure, he knows that Kirsten Dunst is in love with his boss. He doesn't stand a shot, stand a chance. That's not going to be a relationship for him. You know. Yeah, but, I mean, we all, like, we'll do that. that that's like, you know, yeah. you like them and they might like you a bit, but they like someone else more, you're like, I'll give it a go and see if it grows. Or, if it grows. you know, like, that. that's not too bad, but the... No, like I said, I think he's the most human character. character. Yeah, yeah, that's it. Um, it's, no, I mean, I, I enjoyed this film. I did, and I, I think maybe it was just, like, a lot of, like you say, like, looking back at, taking somebody with you to see your strongest, most important memories or you know like it just feels strong to me like it just mm -hmm. feels powerful and the visuals are done amazingly like the cinematographer or the director or whoever's eye this film is nailed it they well, let's talk about that for a second because i have this thought so i credit where credit's due michelle gondry is a very very talented director who directed the hell out of this movie i also get the sense that these transitions are probably written into Kaufman's scripts because yeah. there is a similarity in the transitions between Confessions of a Dangerous Mind and Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind, yeah. where, where they're both very internal stories. And John Malkovich, right? Inside John Malkovich, those transitions yeah. kind of melt onto each other. Malkovich is maybe the sloppiest one with like the lensing that happens. 
but it's appropriate for the story that's being told. And I, I, I enjoy the lensing because it's like, sorry, back to being John Malkovich, the, um, the feeling of being in a meat suit. <laughs> like it, it resonates with me sometimes. Like yeah. you, know, when you kind of realize existence and you're kind of like, wait, I'm driving a skeleton in a meat suit. Fuck what is, is all this stuff? Yeah, like I can only see out these two holes at the front of my meat suit. Like, what is this? Uh, so I, oh, I thoroughly enjoyed that vision because that's... <laughs> no, it's good. And to take that just a step further, somebody on the internet blew my mind earlier with, you've never seen your own face. You've only seen pictures of your face or reflections yeah. of your face, but you haven't actually seen the face, you yeah. know? Um, yeah, so I, I, sloppy is maybe the wrong word. It, it's like the most forceful, the punchiest, but it's appropriate. It's good. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And the uh, liminality of the transitions here is so beautiful. And as you mentioned earlier on, the way that, you know, you're walking through the bookstore and the, the headings for the bookshelves kind of pop out of view every so often, or Elijah Wood's face won't turn quite around, or... <laughs> beautiful yeah. all of those touches are really really incredible and I, I assume that we're starting from a place of Kaufman's script and then adding the surrealism of Gondry because he really I mean his music video work is true art you know it's so it's beautiful this film is beautiful for me like uh yeah and I'd like uh the the I mean yeah I think it is the script writing but the cutting the, the fact that you start at the end of the film and then you kind of come in and, but in that process, you end up three times at the same little frozen lake, mm -hmm. you know, and it, it is, you know, the, the classic uh, ennui, like uh, looking at a frozen lake, you know, like the, the. Well, in that, the, I mean, that's Kaufman again, very, or maybe that's Gondry's image, who knows, but I, Kaufman's very knowing in what he's writing and how he's writing it. So when we get to the end of the movie and uh, Kate Winslet is giving her speech about not being a manic pixie dream girl, she's yeah. saying, no, you, you're, think, you're in love with an idea. That's the problem with this bullshit. You need to deal with me as a person. And then yeah. they actually start dealing with each other as a person. And there's this moment that I think is... It's not the whole movie, but it's one of the things that makes this movie whole when they confront each other after listening to the tapes about how much they will come to loathe each other and then yeah. decide to do it anyway. I, I have to, yeah, that was on my notes. That's like one of my top moments of this is she's like, you're going to hate me and we're going to break up. And he's like, okay. He's <laughs> just like, I think it's worth it. I think it's worth it to have that ride and maybe it won't. And like, but here's you know, the thing with that knowledge, it, it's super powerful. I, um, I'll try and sum this up and uh, I'm sorry for not sourcing this well, but I came across a discussion about, you know, this cliche of the things that you love are the things that you will hate, right? <laughs> And that's, it turns out that's really, really true. The people that have studied these things are like, yeah, actually most marriages break up for like the big reasons, money, infidelity, whatever. But the ones, relationships that break up kind of break up over like, yeah, I used to really love the way he 
scratched his head before he went to bed and now I just can't fucking deal with it anymore. If I have to hear that sound one more time, I'm going to jump out the damn window. Yeah. That's going to happen to every single one of us if you fall in love. But love is a choice. It's looking at that existence and saying it's going to be painful, it's going to be disgusting, and it's going to be confusing. And I'm going to do it anyway because yeah. you're worth it. Yeah. Yeah, I we'll like that. That moment was strong. And yeah, like, I, I mean, I think maybe that's why I so strongly liked the film is maybe I was, I think visually I loved it, but that when they come when it all kind of comes to a head at the end and they're listening to the tapes, I like, I kind of forgot about all of that. So I kind of just like, I, I, I'd forgotten that we saw them catch up at the front and then we go and watch the movie, how they get there. But then I forgot about the bit at the end after that, where they kind of break up because they hear, you know, um, and, and then it gets real. And then for the first time, they're kind of being straight honest. Like they're yeah. just raw with each other and they're not, anxious or maybe they are but they just don't do it you know like it they're, they're well, just like you said it they're honest they're they're taking it on its face and they're opening it all the way up for better or for worse yeah yeah yeah, yeah. damn it it's you know like i said i i spent about half of this movie going i don't maybe this is a miss maybe i misunderstood this and then by the end of it i like i said literal tears and just thinking it's a genius work of art and yeah what else can I say? Yeah, I, so uh, visual gags uh, are strong in this as well. Like the Jim Carrey as a child, Jim Carrey as a baby, yeah. uh, the 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 girlfriend. Uh, sorry, uh, what's her name? Uh, Clementine being being the the friend of the mom that yeah. he had kind of attachment to, and like provocative. I mean. Yeah. So I don't know good. exactly what that memory is for me, but I know I have that memory. <laughs> it's just, it's good, man. Like it's yeah. strong. And you've got all these kind of the bike, the memory of the bike and the memory of the childhood friend. And you for know, me, like the single strongest, strongest image in this movie is adult Jim Carrey still in the Cape, taking the bike from the side of the barn and walking it off screen. I didn't realize that I had lifted that image for a movie that I made about five years ago, and I'll send you the stuff. But I, I shot that exact same shot about, it doesn't matter, but I didn't know that I had lifted it. It made such an impression on me that I did the exact same thing. No, I liked, I liked the bullies. Yeah, the kids. And he's like, you know what? And he goes back. He's like, you know what? No. And then he, ah, let me go. Let me go. <laughs> it's just good. beautiful. Like, and I, I like, yeah, that, yeah, those feelings of like the, the sad parts and the bad parts, but they're still, you look back at them with fond memory. Like, you know, even when you're looking back at a bully situation, you kind of like, it still feels good. Yeah, <laughs> so, or even an ex, you know, if you've been in like a really uh, damaging relationship in your life, yeah. At, hopefully, after enough time or at a certain point, you look back and you're like, well, you know, I'm I'm here today, and yeah, got got you there, you know. It's yeah, changed. not even just that. It's there's there's real beauty. Like you wouldn't have been there to begin with if there wasn't a reason for it, you know. Oh yeah. Uh, it's 
I, I like, I think a lot of strong performances. Mark Ruffalo was so much younger than I kind of, or they made him look younger. Like, when is this film? It's 2006-ish. Okay, so it is like 15 years ago. Yeah, it's literally 15 years younger, yeah. Yeah, so it's like, so seeing him, I'm like, wow, he's so young. And then like, yeah. All I the, had this so crazy strong. thought where I kind of wanted Mark Ruffalo to be Michael Pena in this movie. Oh, okay, yeah. And then I was remembering that there, Michael Pena kind of plays this role in Ant-Man. He does. He does. He's the tech support, like the yeah. Yeah, but like kind of like a swaggy, brash tech support guy. Yeah. Huh. Yeah. Um, I'm a fan of Michael Pena, and I hope he gets an Ant Man suit. But <laughs> in terms of Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind, I don't know what else to say other than it's it's real, real good. I got two minor notes up front, but. I, I'll give it to him because maybe I, I never made anything approaching this level of competence. No, it's so competent, and I love the the well. So like the structure, like I've brought up many times before, like the way that they delete memories is from the most recent to the most distant. So the idea of the deletion is they start with deleting the memory of he just had with his neighbor where he's talking about the girlfriend and they're just deleting that one. First thing you see when they put the helmet on him is deleting that. And then the movie kind of goes kind of backwards with the memories a bit like, uh, so every time you kind of see the deletion process, it's, it's kind of funneling mm -hmm. backwards in time towards the first memories and the first inside. So I just like, but that means that the film kind of follows that as well. And it kind of reveals the story well, it very much does in that by the end of the movie, we are at the beginning of the movie. Yeah, yeah. And I, I, I think that's really strong. And I think it must be Charlie, but it, it's, it's such an interesting way to write that. And I don't think I could ever do that. Like I couldn't, I, I couldn't solidify that story in my head. I would, I would think, oh, maybe I'll do it all backwards and then I'll try and write it and have no fucking idea how to do it and then just give up because that is complicated, man. But it's, I, it works seamlessly for me and you even forget that it's a complicated way to write. That's, that's the real trick there because I, not to go like, uh, you know, pulling the mask off too much, but the trick of that is you write both stories and you write them both forward, right? Yeah. And you write them on different colored note cards and then see where they intersect in the middle. Mm -hmm. The real artistry of that is reflecting each note card of a different color against not only the, so <laughs> the card at the beginning of the timeline to the end of the timeline, but the card at the top of the timeline to the bottom of the timeline. And then every one of those has to be self-reflexive. Mm -hmm. And you get to a certain point where you're plotting you know, for a, uh, this is, we should say, less than two hours. Incredible that there's this much story in less than two hours. But even for something like this, you're looking at like a solid 200 note cards that yeah. all need to reference each other. And by like card three, most of us go, I don't even know what colors are anymore. And this dude makes art out of that. It, 
it's cool and it's cool and it's strong and uh, yeah no so um that's neat it it was yeah i don't know man it, it it wowed me and at the end i was like wow that is cool i'm like i have done that a lot for this series but this one was wow like it it, it was just it, looking back you just see the ride that you just had and you're like wow that is such a like i was along the ride the whole way i never got confused really but wow what a confusing mess like that would be in my hands <laughs> sure and it is the most artful in that for me it elicits the strongest response i had a very strong emotional response to this movie and you you talked about it in the way that it sort of brings nostalgia to you or Hmm. Um, a longing for memories you might not necessarily want to relive. Yeah. That's really powerful and really delicate. And his movies are incredibly clever and all are very human, but they're very cerebral. They're not very heart centered. And this one is so much heart. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, definitely, 100% agree with that. that. That's how I feel about this. It's just, there's so much heart to this and it, it, pulled, it, it pulled my emotions in where the other ones pulled my brain, like pulled my mind in. Like I, the other films, I'm thinking about it. I'm like, oh, that's neat and oh, that's clever. And oh, this is a, you know, like I'm, I'm thinking about it days after. But this one I was feeling after. I was like, oh, kind of just want to, you know, like see childhood friends or like yeah. go ride a bicycle somewhere or, you know, like, I don't know, you know. Yeah, just kind of like sit and look at the moon for a little yeah. while. Yeah, I want to be on a frozen lake. <laughs> <laughs>